Do you really want to obey and honor Christ and enjoy Him? Do you? Now, in this life, do you really want to obey Christ, to to love Him, to worship Him, and enjoy Him? For that is the reason we're created. To obey, to glorify God, and enjoy Him forever. Do you want to? If you do, and for those who do desire this, we must understand the implications and expectations of following Him. If you want to know Christ, if you want to love Him and obey Him, we must understand These are the expectations and implications. That is what Peter is saying to those receiving his letter. As we of GPC are in this great short letter of 1 Peter. With all honesty, I'm so thankful that Will Hunter brought you the message from last week. The end of chapter 3, one of the most difficult passages in all of the Bible to understand. And will the excellent teacher, expositor, preacher that he is, far superior than me. I'm so glad he had it. If you didn't get a chance to hear it or want to hear it again, see if you can get it. I'm glad he had that. Okay. What do we mean if you want to obey Christ and and honor Him and enjoy Him? Understand the implications and expectations. Here in chapter 4, we have continued implications and expectations of what it is to follow Christ. These who initially received this short letter were being abused because of their faith in Christ. They are suffering. They are going through cruelty and torture. And they are leaving their homes. They're running. They're refugees running for their life. And the Holy Spirit is having Peter write them to give them help for today. They needed help today and hope for tomorrow. Hope for tomorrow, help for today. So here in just these first six verses of chapter 4, chapter 4, the verse 6 verses, because Christ suffered, that's the focus. Because Christ suffered, here are the expectations, the implications for all who want to follow Christ, to worship him. Go on, please to the three major divisions. Because Christ suffered, because Christ suffered. Expect this. Expect to suffer. We should prepare to suffer. Because Christ suffered, we should prepare to suffer. That's where he's, look look what he says here. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. 
For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Okay. Paul, Peter is taking us back to Christ's suffering. Christ is God-man. God became a human. He willingly suffered. He chose to suffer for the joy that was set before him. He willingly suffered. And we who want to follow him, look what it says, since therefore Christ suffered in his life, arm yourself with the same thinking. In your understanding, prepare to suffer. Prepare to suffer. In your thinking, arm yourself. Understand the expectations and implications with this same thinking. Now, how did Christ suffer? Well, certainly he suffered physically. I don't know what kind of suffering Christ may allow in your life. The pain, the agony of cancer. I don't know what kind of suffering he may take you. But don't be surprised. He's called us to some kind of suffering if you're going to follow Christ. It may be emotional suffering. It may be the heartache of family, a husband, a wife, a parent who rejects you. The emotional pain of suffering. He may take you through some kind of financial suffering. The Bible says Christ was, of, he was so poor he didn't even have a place to call his home. All kinds of suffering Christ experienced. Arm yourself. Prepare in your thinking because Christ suffered. He takes his children through different kinds of suffering. Rejection. The ultimate suffering by Christ was being rejected by his father. What do we mean? Christ dying on the cross. Father, my father, why have you forsaken me? The ultimate suffering. The wrath of God. The punishment of God placed upon him that he did not deserve. Because Christ's suffering prepare to suffer in some way. Look down at chapter 4, verse 12. Look down at verse 12. Verse 12. He repeats this. Beloved, are you in the family? If you are, it means you are loved by him. You're in the beloved. Christ calls you his loved children. Do not be surprised at the what? fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange is happening to you. Don't be surprised when he takes you through a trial and it hurts. Fire hurts. Fire is one of the most 
excruciating pains one can experience. And that's the word that's described of what it's like to follow Christ. Do you want him? Don't be surprised when he takes you through that fiery, fiery trial, testing your faith, testing your faithfulness. Will you believe him? Will you trust him? As though something strange is happening. No, it's not. He calls us into that kind of relationship to enable us more and more. Here here is a reason that we die unto sin and live unto righteousness. That continual breaking us from our dependence on ourselves and confidence in him. Look, how are we to respond? When he takes you through that fiery trial, look, when it's happening to you. Rejoice. Yeah. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering. That you also may rejoice and be glad when his Glory is revealed. Folk, I'm not there. I'm not there. Rejoice at the privilege of identifying with Christ's suffering. It's not just Peter. The Holy Spirit had Paul to write the same truth in writing to those in that city of Philippi. Look at Philippians 1, 29, 30. Philippians 1, 29, 30. Listen. It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only Believe in him. But also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I have. If you're in Christ, it's because he chose you. If you're in Christ or do come to Christ, it's because before creation, he has elected you to enter into his family. It means for those who are in Christ that sometime he breathes life into you. It means as he breathes life into you, you begin to believe on him and trust in him and depend on him for your acceptance. It's Christ who must enable you to believe on him and also choosing you to not only believe on him, but look, also suffer for his sake. We must be a people of the Bible. We must be a people of truth. What does the scripture say 
What do the scriptures teach? Don't let culture teach us. What does the Bible say? Paul goes on to say, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and that I still have? Wait, wait, wait a minute, Paul. We know what you went through. We know you were stoned and left for dead. We know that you were destitute and you were hungry and you didn't have proper clothing at time. We know that you were out in the sea floating, staying alive for a day and a night. What were we, Paul? Those soldiers took you and they began whipping you. Whipping you till your body was opened up and the wounds. And they were only allowed to give 39 stripes. That was the law, the Roman law. And they gave you the maximum 39. And you didn't have medications, and you didn't have antiseptics and antibiotics, but eventually you healed. Wait a minute, Paul. That wasn't just once, but they did it again. 39 ripped your body open. Eventually you healed. And then they did it again. Yeah. Paul says, you know what I went through. Don't be surprised when I say, not only has he called you to believe on him, but to suffer. Folk, this is what it means in some different ways to follow Christ, to glorify him, to enjoy him, We must be a people of the word. It's because Christ suffered. We are called to suffer in some way. But secondly, because Christ suffered. Secondly, because Christ suffered. We are to also have new passions. Have new cravings. Because Christ suffered, you can experience that which is far better than non-suffering. That's what he's saying here. Look at 1 Peter 4, verses 2 and 4, 2 through 4. 1 Peter 4, 2 through 4. So, as to live for the rest of your time in this flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffers, suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. Because Christ suffered, you and I are to have new passions, new cravings, new pleasures that far surpass 
the pleasures of this world. That's what Paul is saying, Peter. Now, if you're in the family, you want to obey Christ, you're trusting in him, he's birthed you into his family, live, look at verse 2, live the rest of your life in this body no longer for yourself. Don't go after your own pleasures. Human passions. But live for the will of God. To worship him best and enjoy him most, you must pursue the pleasures of Christ. Now, what are these pleasures that that tempt us and call us to go back to that old life? Or to give in now to their cravings. He lists them. He gives us six. Don't live here any longer. What are they? That is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living for the sensual. Sensuality. What is that? What pertains to the senses? What pertains to your senses? Well, sight. Oh, it looks good. That will satisfy. That will give me pleasure. I'm going I'm to get it. I'm going after it. No, don't live for that sensual pleasure or taste. Whew, the taste. Ah, that will taste good. That will satisfy. That will give me a thrill. All I need to do is eat it or take it or drink it. No. Pertains to the sensual, the eyes, the taste, or the hearing. The sense of hearing. What? They did what? That sense of gossip, of slander that feeds us. Or that story we heard with sensual nature. Or that music. Anything that pertains to the senses. Don't go there. The sensual. Don't live like you did in the past. You will not find your pleasure there. The sensual. The passions. The passions of the past. The passions of those outside of Christ. There's cravings. Drunkenness. No. Not intoxicated with anything other than being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't live in drunkenness or orgies, those sinful feasts, the drinking parties. That's not where it is, family. Don't live there. You don't need that. Or lawless idolatry. What's idolatry? When anything or anyone becomes more important to you than Jesus Christ. That's an idol. When anything or anyone becomes more important to you than loving and following and obeying Jesus Christ. That's an idol. This idol is described as lawless. There's no limits. There's no boundaries. It's lawless. Do what you want if it'll give you pleasure. 
No. As I told you, my wife and I were in Annapolis last Sunday for the baptism of one of our grandsons. Wonderful pastor there, Pastor Bruce O'Neill. Excellent preacher. And Pastor O'Neill told about Augustine. We know him as St. Augustine. Earlier in his life, he lived a very immoral life. Very immoral. He and his mistress had a son together. Eventually, through the wonderful prayers of Augustine's mother, Augustine was wonderfully converted. Eventually became a great leader of the church of his day. And on a particular occasion, as Augustine saw his former mistress, she hollered out, Augustine, Augustine, it's I, it's I. It's I. I'm back. And by Jesus Christ, he was able to say, but it's not I, it's not I, it's not me anymore. We have to do that every day. I'm not going back. I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to do. Will people understand you? They may. But there's a good chance they will not. Look at what he continues to say in these verses. With respect, okay, after lawless idolatries, you see where it says, with respect to this. They're surprised when you not join them in the same flood of a debauchery and they malign you. What? You're not going with us anymore? Remember what we used to do together? What? They begin to malign you. And belittle you and shame you and ridicule you. The story is told of the young man getting married. And his buddies wanted to take him to a bachelor party. And as part of the bachelor party, his buddies had a woman approach him the bride, the groom-to-be, and began her behavior toward him. And he said, no. I'm not going to cooperate with what you're doing. She began maligning him. What kind of are you to refuse her advances. Don't be surprised when you're rejected and maligned and ridiculed and slandered. When you want to follow Christ and obey Him and enjoy Him. Lastly, look at the third, because Christ suffered. Thirdly, we have an appointment. Folks, We all have an appointment. Look what he says. These 
Look at verses five and six. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh, they, the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. To give an account to Christ who will judge the living and the dead. Folk, family, guests, Christ has made an appointment for us, every one of us. The doctor's office may call and say, you've got an appointment, remember, show up on time, 15 minutes early. Or the dentist. But folk, we all have an appointment. And we're not warned in advance. It usually comes very unexpected. Not with a doctor or a dentist or other, but with a judge. An appointment with the judge has been set for every one of us. Could be today. Don't know. But the writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 9, 27, 28. Hebrews 9, 27, 28 is a reminder to us. Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. The time is coming when every one of us will stand before the judge. He has set that time. He knows exactly when it will occur, under what circumstances. And the judge will either see us in our sin, our disobedience, our rebellion, or the judge will see the perfection of Jesus Christ on our record. That's the good news. That you could stand before a holy judge and he not see your sin. The things you said, your behavior, your words that should bring his judgment upon you. But the judge sees the holiness of Jesus Christ. That you can stand before Christ and the Father judge see you as if you were his son. That's good news. Just as it is, just as it is appointed for man, woman, boy, girl, person to die once... After that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for him. Are you eagerly awaiting? 
God wants us to understand the implications and expectations of what it means to love his son, to worship Christ and enjoy him. He wants you to understand, for there, as you yield, as you submit, you will have greater joy. As he takes you through this fiery trial, the outcome is greater joy than the pleasure of not suffering. That's the promise of God himself. There's far greater joy and pleasure in suffering as he takes you through that fiery trial and come out far better than not going through that trial and taking an easy way. May you believe it. May I believe it. May he use us. May he use Rachel in Japan. May he use ministries all over the world to tell you've been created to obey Christ to repent of your sin to believe on him to trust in his resurrection that you may enjoy him now and forever father thank you for Christ your son He never, ever sinned, but, Father, he became sin on behalf of all of those you've given to him. Thank you. Work this repentance in us, this faith and faithfulness to Christ. Please, Father, in his name we ask. Amen.